0: Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message.
1: All right, y'all. Before I get into the message today, I would like to pray over the message today. All right, here we go. Dear Lord, Dear Lord, for this day, and I pray that you let your words flow through me, Lord, and I pray for my message, and also Haley and Hayden's message, and I pray that you let the audience receive it, Lord, and that you let it not fall in deaf ears, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, I'm pretty sure I said Haley again. It is Hallie. That is Hallie. I said it for a service, too. Hey. All right, for those of you who do not know who I am, which I'm pretty sure is a lot of you, I am, my name is Joseph Mountain. I am a senior at Republic High School. As we are one church in two locations, I'm from the other location. <laughs> now, my family, we drive to Marshfield every single Sunday from Republic. Yeah, it's like a 45-minute drive. And it's very fun, loving it. <laughs> and it's not like to spy on the Marshfield people and make sure y'all are doing your jobs and stuff but it's because my dad and Pastor Mark are very good friends, which is what I'm talking about today is good friends. And there's a common saying that you are the average of your five closest friends. This saying could not be any more true. To illustrate that, to really drive that home, one time, I, all good stories start out with one time, me and my friends. So one time, me and my friends were at Mason's house. and We all decided to go for a walk around his property. It's a lot of property. There's a lot of ground to cover. No harm. Well, at the time, it was me, Mason, and these three girls. Me and Mason. Mason lives there. And I go there almost more than I'm at my house. We're like, let's take the left path. There's a little fork in the road. Let's take left. That'll lead us up through the lake. It'll give us all the pretty picture views. And we'll go back to his house and have a good time. But the girls wanted to go right. We haven't been right in a long time. We don't remember what's right. We don't even mow right. So being completely smart, cognitive, and fully-minded high school boys, we went right. (laughs) It, It was a great idea for like two seconds. We took a very long trail, and as I said, it was unmowed, and we got scared. There were snakes crawling all over trees. I had never seen that before, and I fell into a creek. It was very bad. I had so many ticks that night. It was just all in all a horrible night. And that was just last Friday. <laughs> I was writing this message when we did that. And this is what we do as people. Like, If the hot girl wants to go right, fellas, we're going right. We're going right. <laughs> More seriously, if the boss wants at work wants you to cheat to succeed, then we do it. If your friends want to get drunk one night, you go and you neglect your family in the process. It is very important to have good friends. We need people in our lives who have Jesus at the center of their lives. We need people who understand that we were all made through God and for God. God also has a lot to say about your friends, namely in Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: As iron sharpened iron, one man sharpens another. Now we've all heard this verse, but now it's time that you've heard it through the lens of a high schooler who spends a lot of time with his friends. According to Proverbs 1, verse 3, the true meaning of a proverb is to understand wisdom and instruction and understand the words of insight. Apparently, there's more to some proverbs than just cool bumper stickers. (laughs) To truly understand this verse, we're going to need an example of it. And since we're already in the Bible, we'll just flip a couple books back to Daniel. Now, this is going to be the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To truly understand their story of friendship, we need to go back to the beginning of their story, whenever King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, took over Judah. He ordered some men in the royal family of Judah to be brought into the king's service, his service. Now, Daniel 1.4 says, Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Now, the first part of that verse, you're looking at it. You're looking at it. Handsome part, really just loving it. Now, they were taken to be raised as Babylonians. This was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they've all been together since the beginning. It's like a Disney movie. They're just better together. One time, the king wanted them to worship a golden statue of him. Now, normally we all remember the VeggieTales version of that. You know, with the golden bunny and the statue. The bunny, the bunny. Oh, I love the bunny. <laughs> now, all of them refused. Daniel, he wasn't there at the time and when they were taken. So he isn't really in this story. But it's in his book. So we're reading with Daniel. Daniel three sixteen through 18 says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar... We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. For if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God or worship the image of gold you have set up. The story ends with them coming out of the fire completely fine, even their clothes are fine. Now that's a message all within itself, but that's not really what I'm focusing on today. But in those verses, those three verses, notice the wording that was used. In those verses, it says the word we five times. And that just goes to show that God encourages us to have good friends. And we are not meant to do life alone. This is the whole reason God gave Adam Eve. It's there in the beginning, it's there now, and it's here with us. These three men were each other's friends. They're iron. They were so sharp that they had the faith and the courage to stare death in the face and say, we stand here and trust in our God. Now, God wants us to be sharp. Being sharp is very important because it means whenever the enemy attacks me, I can keep him away. And it also means if we're sharp, we are not dull. We can cut through the pressures of this world. We can stab away the temptations that the world would throw at us. And if the devil was right there standing in front of you, do you think he would be scared of someone whose faith looked more like a katana or like a butter knife? (laughs) Well, how do we get sharp people around us? Just look around. We're in the church. You're practically in a knife shop right now. If the people we do life with have God at the center of their lives, they're sharp. We need to choose our friends carefully and not comfortably. This needs to be a two-way relationship, though. We need to be like a Swiss army knife of sorts. We need to have our blade that others can sharpen, but we also need to have a sharpener so that we can sharpen others' blades. And we can apply this in our everyday lives very easily. It may seem hard, it may seem pointless, but trust me, it helps. A way to tell if you have an iron-strong friend is to look at them through the perspective of your mother. For real, look, mom can just know automatically Is this person going to lead my child astray? Will they cause them to do bad things? Are they a good influence? And if they check all the mom boxes correctly, then they're good. We also need to ask ourselves those questions for the sake of others. If we all did this, I would love to see what the church would look like. Everyone would be nicer to one another, and the church would look like Craigslist for friends. (laughs) Like you can just scroll through it and like, oh, they have a hobby I like, hobby, hobby, oh, they're dull can't have that one <laughs> but what we all need to do is approach the bad company with good community bad company is anyone who doesn't have jesus or who is dull or who's dulling those around them it is the church's job to push iron into the community and for this to happen we need to have a good community but from what i see in here there's a really good community of jesus in marshfield but one thing i've learned from school is to always look to do better unless it's in chemistry. We don't talk about chemistry. It's so bad. But this could be as simple as joining a life group. It's a good way to get sharp people around you and all get sharper together by reading God's word. Getting involved within the church as well as outside of the church also helps. A good way to think about it is that the church is just one big grindstone. But what happens when you leave the church? If the church is a grindstone sharpening you, Whenever you leave it, do you stay sharp, or do you dull out? You have to think about it. And I'm just as guilty of this as any of you. We can't help others become sharp if we are dull. An example I love to use is, my parents are some of the sharpest people I have ever met. I mean, look what they gave you. It's getting hot. Now, every fourth Sunday of every month, they go and donate their time, talent, and treasure at a homeless shelter in Springfield. They give them food, and they talk about God with these homeless people. They tell them about Jesus, and they end up praying with them over everything and anything they could need. And the best part is that it's just not these two doing it. There are multiple people there who are all iron-sharp friends. Friends, sorry. And this is a perfect example of good community and bad company. These sharp people will push you towards what God has planned for your life. Finding good friends is an essential part of living a godly life. Finding and being quality iron is the best way to do that. Thank you.
0: Hey there, so my name is Hallie. And (laughs) some of you may know me, some of you may not. Um, If you know me, I'm actually pretty loud but I had a friend tell me after church for service um, that I was whispering. So if I get too loud, let me know. If I get too quiet, let me know. (laughs) Um, My mini-message today is on defending the people, and I mean all people. But before we go any farther, I'm going to pray. Dear Jesus, we come to you right now, and thank you for giving us this very day. I thank you for every single person in this room, and I'm so glad they decided to spend their Sunday morning learning more about you. Prepare our hearts, Lord, so that we can fully experience the life you have planned for us. Bless the time we have together today, and help us to love you better. We love you, and it's, your most, it's in your most holy and awesome and beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so today's sermon theme, like Pastor Mark said, is wise up. All of us young communicators were asked to pick a proverb and write a message based upon the pro- proverb we decided on. A little bit of information on these proverbs, written by King Solomon, the wisest man in all history, would probably help some too. So these bits of knowledge are drenched in wisdom. They give insight to the. <laughs> they give insight. Um, they teach discipline and wisdom, um, and knowledge and discernment to the young. So in other words. We can all, no matter what what our age is, social class, gender, or race, benefit from these extremely wise parables, proverbs, and riddles. And other, uh, the proverb that spoke to me that I believe the Father laid on my heart to base my message on today is Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. It reads, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes. Speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Now, where were we? Okay, so today, like I said, my message is about defending all people, from the person that you see every day at work to the beggar sitting on the side of the road. If you open the John, chapter 8, you'll find a story that most of us are familiar with and in many ways can relate to. A woman has been caught in the act of adultery. She is taken to Jesus to be stoned and judged by her accusers, the Pharisees, and teachers of religious law. Now let's see. What did Jesus do? Did he shame her, stone her, or even tell her how unworthy of the Father's love she is? No. In fact, he spoke up for her. He defended her, and he justified her. His very words to the woman's accusers were, All right but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And one by one, knowing they were just as sinful, they left. Maybe you can recall a time in your life where someone defended you, or your story is similar to the one in John 8, and that your only defender was Jesus. And could it even be that you feel you've never been defended? That you're still the same kid who got picked on on the playground, just a little older more grown-up. In all of these very possible scenarios, we can find that the similarities are one, Jesus will eternally be our defender, and two, a defender is really nice to have. So with that said, we can see the heart of the Father is and will always be for his children. Again, we find in Proverbs, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, ensure justice for those being crushed, Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Considering that's Jesus' heart, shouldn't it be ours as well? This doesn't mean that we should take matters into our own hands and do the job as the Lord's. No, it means that we should be willing and able to defend someone when the time comes. And what justice done for, for, what justice for the wrongs done to others just as much as the Lord does. Now, with all that in mind, knowing that defending others will make us more like Jesus, why don't we do it more often? Why do we idly sit and watch injustices be done without ever saying a single word? Is it because we're too scared to rock the boat a little? Too worried about making people uncomfortable? Or could it even be that we're too concerned with fitting in, that we won't call out the people who are hurting one another? Jesus did it, and we want to be more like Jesus every day, right? Why don't we? And just as I stand on the stage and I tell you that we need to be defending others, defending the defenseless, I know sometimes it's hard and it's awkward. It's uncomfortable to tell your friend, hey, stop talking about that person, or hey, stop making fun of that kid. No, I know it's uncomfortable and weird, but we have to, beloved, because it's not the time for that anymore. We have to stop being so concerned with what another might think if we call it our friend from work who's gossiping about someone else. If we call it our friend in the classroom who's gossiping about, gossiping about someone else. We have to stop being so concerned about the entire school seeing you sit with that one weird kid in the lunchroom. Open up the Bible and you'll see it. It's everywhere. Defending the defenseless. Because that's our job. James one twenty seven. Pure and genuine religion and the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. How are we caring for them? How are we defending them? What are we doing? And are we allowing the world to corrupt us? So now here we sit. Maybe you're feeling a stir in your spirit. In Pastor Mark's words, maybe you're feeling a little punch. The Lord could be convicting you of some things right now. And you're wondering, how am I going to apply this to my life? What would this look like in my life? And how am I going to become more like Jesus in this respect? Well, it could start as a simple nudge to your friend. "Hmm, That's not right. Or a hey, you probably shouldn't be speaking on that. I'm sure it's not something that person would want everyone to know. It could be speaking out for the rights of the unborn baby. Whoa, it got tense in here. And it may be easy to get stuck right there because that's the most prevalent thing right now. Roe v. Wade, it possibly being overturned and all that follows but let's not get stuck there because it could be fostering the child who was mistreated by their birth parents, shutting down the bully in the school cafeteria sticking out for the co-worker who's being gossiped about behind their back at work, or even putting a halt to the racist slash backhanded comment made by a family member. And honestly, the list goes on and on. But I only have 10 minutes, and I'm sure you can think of other scenarios you can apply this to in your life. What would we, as a church, as a collection of Jesus followers, look like if we committed ourselves to the application of this message, as a church, it would grow. Because the world would become less convinced that the body of Christ is so full of hypocrisy and more convinced for the love we so obviously have, the love we so willingly show for his creation. We'd be better Jesus followers, fulfilling what the Lord has so plainly called us to. We would truly be showing an empty, heartbroken, sinful, Lost, upside-down world, the love of the Father. Because you wouldn't just be hearing this message on a Sunday, coming home, and by Tuesday morning, you're yelling at your neighbor, whose trash can was accidentally dumped on your lawn. Or by Monday morning, you're laughing in the buddy, with your buddies in the office at the same joke you swore off the day before. No, the world would not only hear us talk about we, the love we have for Jesus, they'd see us live it. Amen. <laughs> and just one last thing before I hand the mic off to Hayden maybe you're in the room right now and you're thinking I did not come in here today to listen to some kids talk no I had a rough week I wanted to hear the pastor preach this is not what I wanted or you're just sort of zoning out thinking when can I get out of here for lunch <laughs> just hear me out because if you get nothing else from a short little sermon I want it to be this It is imperative to our walk as believers that we defend the defenseless. That's it. In fact, if I could call this message just one thing, it'd be that defending the defenseless. It's so perfect, too, because you know, we were defenseless against sin. And the only one who could defend us was Jesus. He is the greatest, most perfect example of defending the defenseless, because while we were defenseless, Laying in our own shame and sin, guilt and heartbreak, Jesus atoned for it all. He did everything we could have never done. Thank you for taking the time to hear what the Lord put on my heart to say. And with blessings beyond measure, I'll leave you.
2: Good morning. My name is Hayden Hough. For those of you who don't know me, and today I would like to speak to you about Proverbs three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. God is our Creator, and He is He is what is best for us. This isn't a request, but a command from our Creator. We are, we are commanded to trust with all of our heart. Google defines trust as a firm belief in the reliability truth. Ability and or strength of someone or something we must trust in him and obey his instructions We sometimes make decisions. We think we know what is best. I mean, I remember a time I was I did not follow my dad's instructions From when I was a little boy I always had BB guns and my dad always taught me to point them in a safe direction One day was my sister is being mean if you know her she's pretty mean (laughs) So she locked me outside in the snow and i happened to have my BB gun and and i knew my dad's instructions but i disobeyed them and ended up shooting at her through the back door glass and man my dad was mad i mean he didn't have me swallowed by a whale which we'll get to in a minute but it would have been a whole lot easier on my butt if he did <laughs> you remember a time you were disobedient maybe for some it wasn't following your parents instructions maybe for others you weren't supposed to be somewhere you, you weren't supposed to be somewhere you weren't supposed to be Maybe for some, are looking at something you're not supposed to look at. Maybe for others, you're not fully walking in the calling that God has for our lives. And maybe some in here are only following God half-heartedly. But remember this, partial disobedience is still disobedience. Amen. So let's take a look at a well-known Bible character and what he experiences through experiences when he disobeys God. Jonah 1, 1-3. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving, leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach to the people so they would repent. But Jonah hated the people so they were because they were sinners. And and Jonah did not think they deserved to be saved. So Jonah ran from God. He knew that God would save them if he preached there because he knew that God would show them mercy. Jonah didn't trust and submit to the plan that God had called him to. He made his own plans and relied on his own ways. Let's take a look at what happened because of Jonah's disobedience. He got on a ship, go far away, but God sent a bad storm. The crew of the ship knew that Jonah had caused the storm because he was running from the Lord. Jonah 1.15-16 says, Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. We all know what happened right? next, right? Jonah got his butt beat. No. <laughs> but let's see what happened. Jonah 1.17, Now the Lord sent a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to God and pleaded for his life. God heard Jonah's cry for help, and because Jonah repented, the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. Jonah 3, 1 through 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim, it to, the me- proclaim to the message I, sent, I gave you. This time Jonah obeyed and went. God spared his life and gave Jonah a second chance. Because of this obedience, over 120,000 people repented and were saved and shown mercy. Jonah can teach us a few lessons. Number one, God is going to call us to do some some scary things and some simple things. We are not to lean on our own understanding, but in all things pursue obedience. Maybe you've run from your Nineveh. Maybe you're running from your Nineveh. God's calling you to stop running and be obedient. We should be obedient to God, whether he is telling us to do something big or something small. The study Bible states it like this. It took a miracle of deliverance to get Jonah to do do as God commanded. As a prophet, Jonah was obligated to obey God's word, but he had tried to escape his responsibilities. At this time, he pledged to fulfill his vows. Jonah's story began with a tragedy, but it would have been a a greater tragedy if God... Had allowed him to keep running. When you know God wants you to do something, don't run. God may not stop you as He did Jonah. Jonah had ran far, around, had run away from God, but was given a second chance to participate in God's work. You may feel you are though disqualified from serving God because of your past mistakes, but God's serving. But serving God is not an earned position. No one qualifies for God's service, but God still asks us to take care of. Take us to carry out his work. You may still have another chance. Today, I am your Jonah. I am here to tell you that you are worthy to be saved. God loves you. Jesus died for you, and he wants us to repent and be obedient to him to live a full life. Jonah was given a second chance because of God's love and mercy. So stop relying on your own understanding and submit to your own ways to God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Thank you.
0: Come on, can we give it up for our young communicators? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.